Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Rolling, 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 keep them doggies rolling, raw high. I'm leaving that in there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> See, I actually can sing. I mean, I wasn't, yeah. That wasn't okay. bad. Okay. That was not bad. Our bad not reviews terrible. are about to skyrocket. <clears throat> Probably. <laughs> that was church choir good. <laughs> yeah, as uh, long as the rest of the choir is singing, they don't give Briar the microphone. Pretty much. It's nah, <laughs> a lot of guts to stand up there and belt one out. So, I mean, we're talking current events uh, for the moment. We just had said something about it. They just extended Gator season. Yes. So, First, I got the email. So, they um, what they did is they listed out <clears throat> certain AMUs that were affected by the hurricane. And they extended those... If you still have one or two tags left, you can hunt from November 2nd to December 15th. Dude, and that's a... There's another one. I. It wasn't very clear, but also if you were in affected area, they, no matter where your permit is, if you were in an affected area, you can't... Like, for per FEMA, that had extensive damage or whatever, you can... Hunt, but I think you have to have something from FEMA too, as well. Okay, so I think like you have, if you lived in Fort Myers but had tags somewhere that wasn't affected, you're still allowed to hunt. Uh, yes. Okay, that like, makes sense. Let me. I'm, I will pull the email up. And Jamie, read that second because there's a second part. It says uh, <clears throat> impacts to a FEMA-assisted county residence, in addition to permit holders with unfilled tags who reside in counties officially eligible for FEMA assistance, see list below, may hunt in their assigned AMU regardless of their of its location from November 2nd to December through December 15th. So Lake County got it most likely because of like Aster. Um, I, I believe if you look at the number, it is... Uh, like Lake County is listed on there once, and I think oh, is there more than one Lake County unit? I think for each of the four phases, they give you a different number. Okay, don't hold me to that. So I mean, that makes sense though. If it's your fourth phase, I mean, or, so if you got third phase and you're yeah. not AMU eight thirty five for Lake County, 
then I, I don't know if you can hunt. Because so, it specifically says AMU 835. Are you uh, AMU 835? Yes, I am. Check the rigs. Yeah, you should have got an email today. And if you didn't and you think you qualified, then maybe place a phone call or send an email. Another thing. Read that entire email. Because at the very bottom, you have to print that executive order out and staple it to your permit. The actual like yellow piece of paper that your tags are stapled to when you get it in the mail. You have to have that with your paper when you are harvesting an alligator from November 2nd to December 15th. Sweet. You're out there knocking the icicles off. <laughs> I was say that hunting in yeah, that, you cooler, that cooler climate is going to put a hole. I think that's cooler, not cold, but cooler. Being that it's the state of Florida, I think it's going to put a, uh, a real advantage to be able to hunt 24 hours because yeah. it's hotter during the day. I will bet, yeah, if you go out. And you run that river an hour after sunup on a weekday. Them big fellas, once the sun's up, will be cruising. That or you'll find them laying on the bank in the middle and, of the day. Yeah, and yeah. noon or, yeah. Sunning. Yep. So You know what's weird is we got more water than you can shake a stick at, but you take a look at the Mississippi. It's a Hank Williams tune, man. Yeah. Stock yep. market's... Was it? Yeah, we're, stock market we're over here. We're over here singing Johnny Johnny Cash and that's not Johnny Mississippi Cash. singing. How high is the water rising? Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, that one. There you gotcha. Go. Damn, I can't remember that. I can't. Interest is up. And the stock market's, market's down. Yeah. You're gonna get mugged if you go downtown. Down. Yeah, Mississippi, the Mississippi River. River she's she's going, going dry. dry. Yeah. yeah, we're not singing anymore. No. <laughs> you know, long, different. We got an email from. The fisheries area at FWC explaining that if you're following the Catch a Florida Memory Lifetime list, 70 different species, they're taking one off and replacing it. They're taking the short fin mako off because the stock's depleted. But there's only, I don't know how long that program has been around, but a couple of years so far, only two anglers have actually turned into short fin mako. Hmm. So they're not going to have to catch a thresher shark in their 70. Though if I had been one of them, I'd be like, it's now officially 71. <laughs> um, and for, well, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be too late. But you do have until November 1st to catch your short fin mako. No, you don't. It won't be too late. If you really, if you want 31st. to get out the day of the podcast in the next day. This is coming out on the 31st. All right, man. So Halloween. Get, get yourself out there short fin mako fishing. But they're going to replace it with the thresher shark. Which is interesting because I've actually in the Keys run across the thresher shark years ago diving that I probably could have popped, but that, that was a little more than I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to try and bring back up. I might still be going. <laughs> oh, man. But speaking of Halloween and the fact that this is coming out on Halloween, we're here this week to tell some scary hunting stories. Scary is a very loose term. <clears throat> They were scary at the time that it happened. Oh, 100%. I'm going to make a few phone calls. we got some people lined up to to answer the phone to tell some scary hunting stories. So, for the most part tonight, uh, let me give you, you got me, your host, Will. we got Jordan. I'm here. Let's do it. we got Jim. Yes, sir. And we got Briar. Hi, y'all. In the studio. And now, before I call people, I'll introduce them, uh, and then we'll give them a shout and let them tell their hunting story. So let's let you start out with your first scary story, will you? Oh, man. My first scary story, and I, I know I've told it before, 
first one that comes to mind is uh, when I was hunting on Fort Campbell, and I was hunting in training area. I don't know if it was nine alpha or nine bravo, so we'll call it nine. Um, and I was sitting in my climber and sitting on a big uh, logging road and right in a curve. And I could just sit in there, nice, peaceful, quiet, just as it would be in a nice evening hunt, waiting on a deer to come out. And I had been there maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And we were, so this was probably 4.30 to 5.30 in the afternoon. Not quite sunset yet, <clears throat> but not quite light of the day, right? And uh, off to my left, I'm looking to my right, and then off to my left, I just hear, Rrrr! and I think to myself, also, what the? <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> Something like, like that. that, yeah. So the hair on the back of my neck just stands up on the end. And I'm thinking, like, man, I'm about to turn into a Jack Lynx commercial. Bigfoot's going to grab my tree, sling me in the next county, and that's going to be it. So I finally get up the courage, and I start turning my head to the left. When I get it all the way over there, there's a dang coyote throwing up in the middle of the road. <laughs> Not a noise I'd ever heard in the woods. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked that one up. But as soon as I saw the coyote over there just going to town, hacking up his lunch, then it hit me. I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. But, because <laughs> yeah, I've heard, you know, I've heard my own dogs throw up in the house, and that's a terrifying sound in and of itself in the middle of the night. But uh, in the middle of the woods, in the peace and quiet, dude, it, I was terrified there for a minute. But <laughs> i tell you one I haven't told on the podcast before uh, that, that scared the bejesus out I of me. I think it's come out of before. The Swamp Ape? No. No, okay. No, no. no. We'll save that one. Look I haven't told that roll. before. Now, I was sitting in a tree stand, and as we've all done, it was bow season, and I had a squirrel just chewing my ass for being in his tree. And I know it's happened to probably everybody sitting around this table. Oh, absolutely. And he was <clears throat> four, maybe five feet above me in the tree, and I'm just trying to sit still. And I could see <clears throat> off in the distance there was a dang owl sitting on a limb, and I had been watching him. And that squirrel's just barking at me. And I look to my left, and I'm watching over to my left. By the time I look back to my right, all I see is feathers, feet, and claws in my face. (laughs) And I about filled my pants. But he grabbed that squirrel and took him off somewhere else. (laughs) No mas squirrel. You said thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I couldn't say thank you because I was uh, too scared <laughs> at that one. I was about to catch a claw in the face. He was too busy checking his britches to see if he yeah. them. <laughs> oh, but uh, I think we've all had a come to Jesus moment with a squirrel in the stand. Probably. Little buggers, every now and again you get one that starts. They're not throwing nuts at you, but they're still nut bombing you. You ever heard them like uh, actually growl at you? No, just that not. But so, I was in a tree stand one time. Yeah, no, and this sucker had gotten down. Man, he couldn't have been more than two feet away from my face and a dang limb, and he's over there on the limb. I'm like, I looked at him and said, "Listen here." I said, "I got my sidearm on my side, and one or here's what's going to happen: you jump." I'm going to pull it. 
I'm going to start shooting. You're going to land on me. And then before we hit the ground, one of us is going to die. <laughs> and uh, he never jumped on me, so. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. You were lucky you didn't get rabies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can squirrels get rabies? I'm know, sure man. they can, but it's, I wonder if it's common for squirrels to get rabies. I, w- I would think it's probably not, considering the things that would give them rabies are uh, eating them. Eating them. Listen, yeah, I got another one. That attack. Oh, they forage. I mean, they, I don't know, man. They're pretty opportunistic, I think. While we're on the subject of squirrels and come to Jesus, I had gone up one summer. It wasn't really summer, summer. We were getting closer to season, checking stands. And uh, we had a lock-on that was pretty high up a pine tree. And we called it the Lazy Boy. Because it just had this... Pretty sure that was the name of it. It was a Lazy Boy lock-on. Was it? Mm-hmm. Well, if that was the name, it was a Lazy Boy lock-on. And uh, But it just had a big foam cushion that attached to the top and then attached further out on the bottom. So you just... It was like sitting in a... Uh, like a dang... Hammock, almost. And uh, so I sat in it, and I felt something move underneath me. And I said, well, that's kind of weird. Got up. Felt my butt on the seat, didn't feel anything in the seat, so I sat back down, moved again, and I was like, man, that is really weird. So I felt around in the seat again, nothing moved, sat back down, and then there was a hole about uh, right underneath my leg, not even next to it. Sit back down, next thing I know, I feel the seat move a lot, and then a squirrel comes out of that hole right next to my right leg, runs down my leg, and shoots off my leg out into the just... Not even to the tree, just into the sky. <laughs> and I literally came to Jesus because there was a split second there where I was fixing to jump out of that tree stand. <laughs> I, you know what? I was thinking I hadn't had any scary stories like that, but I did have a bunch of crows. I was sitting on a power line. And a bunch of crows were just making a hell of a raucous on the other side, dive bombing into the woods and stuff. And then I saw something come jumping out. <clears throat> and I was sitting on a pine tree that kind of was, I'm surprised I hadn't taken it, you know, because it kind of gave you a full pen. You could see all the way to your left and all the way to your right. And I saw something come from the other side, kind of couldn't make out exactly what it was because there was a lot of undergrowth, but just jumping from bush to bush. And every time it would stop behind a bush, man, those crows would fly down and give it hell. And then finally I figured out what it was. It was a bobcat. And I was in a climber stand. And then I realized that bobcat was hauling ass for the tree I was in. <laughs> and, I, and all I could think of for a, it was December, I know that too, because all I could think about was that bobcat's going to hit this tree and be trying to get to wherever it can get cover. It's going to run into my stand and it's going to be me and razor blades. <laughs> <laughs> so as it got to the bottom of that tree, I just barked at it like, hey. And it froze and was kind of looking cockeyed up at me. And I said, nope. And I let it have it. That was the first bobcat I ever ate. So that was a dare. I hauled that thing back to camp and my buddies were like, well, you killed it. You got to eat it. And I was like, I will if you will. And we, <laughs> we were pleasantly surprised that bobcat's not just good, but great. He was contemplating if he could take you when he's at the bottom of that tree. Yeah. He may have been because he was not happy with those crows. And they, I, man, I didn't know crows were that. I don't know what that bobcat did to those crows, or if crows are just naturally nasty to bobcats. Like I don't know if maybe it tried to. I think on crows them. are just naturally nasty to everything. Yeah, well they. They're I, mean. You wouldn't think they were just giving that thing hell. Speaking yeah. of bobcats, you see the new fur back here. 
Oh, I did not. Yeah. There is one. That is my Rock Springs Bobcat. There's one Bobcat story. And this is probably the only time I'll ever say this, but I wish my dad was here to tell it because he was there. I've just heard it. I don't know how many times. Anyways, he was, I think he was driving home from when he was an apprentice. He was driving home from his apprentice school and there was a wounded Bobcat in the road. And he stopped and this other fellow stopped and they were of the Hispanic variety. So they didn't speak a lick of English. And my dad pulled his pistol out. And the guy was going to take it. Like he had a rope and he was going to get that bobcat and take it home. And my dad's like, I'll shoot it for you. I got the I'll shoot it for you. They wouldn't listen. He gets that rope around that bobcat. <laughs> <clears throat> and let me tell you, that bobcat wasn't as wounded as he thought it was. Ape shit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he said that bobcat claw dug into that guy's leg, and it was just nothing but him bobcat the back of that truck flopping around. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad just laughed. I bet that dude's got a totally different version of that story. <laughs> if you could understand it. He says, he says, there was this guy one time, I found this wounded bobcat, and he pulled a gun on me, so I had to hurry up and get it in the back of the truck. <laughs> and that bobcat proceeded to whoop up on me the whole time he was back there. <laughs> And all that guy, look, you know. Yeah, all know that you, guy did was watch. He didn't even shoot it. Y'all, y'all have heard the, the, the story of the, the souped-up wildcat for Jerry Clower? Yeah. I'm sure that guy was thinking the same thing that John Eubanks was thinking up in that tree with that wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how funny Clower is, man. You just don't hear much anymore. Oh, he's when you the man. What, nobody Jerry, sets up a story like that boy would. Jerry Clower. And I told, I think it was Jerry Clower. Um. What podcast was it? I told a joke about the the Bob Quick Bob Bob, Bob, Bob White, where the Bob, the kid's name was Bob White. William wasn't mm-hmm. here for that one. Were you not here for that one? I don't think so. No, I think that was a Jerry Clower story. I think you was. It was, yeah. But you got to have I mean, his draw and his timing, man. He's just the best. Jerry you, you Clower. Uh, what's the other one? He says I'll whoop up on you like a brush fire. Or I'll beat you like a brush. Oh, fire. Oh, you're thinking. You're thinking of uh, Roy D. Mercer. Roy D. Mercer. Yeah, that yeah. Sound that's like another Clower. funny one too. Now. <clears throat> You ready to make a phone call? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I guess so. Who are we calling? You got the phone turned up? Do now. All right. I'm going to call Hunter. Mr. Hunter Rotarius of Florida Boy Outfitters. He's I'll got say, a, I noticed you're wearing your fine Florida Boy Outfitters hat over there. I am. Yep. He's He's got a, a recent story to tell. You know what you're dialing him, man? Another good comic was Louis Grizzard. Another good son. You're boy. right. He was great. You ever heard him tell the one about the one? Uh... uh the one Confederate soldier on the head. Hey. hey. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, Hunter? Two. <laughs> All right, man. I know you've got a, a, a fairly uh, a terrifying story of your own accord that's happened uh, fairly recently to you. Yes, sir. So we, we've called you up tonight to, to hear it. Share it with the world. All right. All right. Do a little bit of imagery here so you kind of – set the set the stage so i was on my hunting lease up in south central georgia and uh a lot of a lot of our place are just ag fields and we hunt the wood line on the edges and some places we have some more property down in it but this particular piece of property is probably a probably a 75 acre cotton field and we hunt all the edges and it was opening weekend 
and I was heading to the stand real early, probably an hour and a half before dark or so. And the moon was about three quarter full. So I said, you know what? I don't need a light. You know, I just walked the edge of this field. And as I'm walking down the edge of this field, um, I did have a headlamp on my head and everything, but I'm just easing down the edge of it real slow, literally taking, you know, 30 seconds or so in between footsteps to try to not bust the deer out of the cotton. Because a lot of times they'll bed in that cotton because it's probably about five foot tall or so. So, anyways, I'm easing down the edge of it. <clears throat> I'm probably 60 yards from my tree stand. And I hear some rustling in the cotton. And a couple deer jump up and start blowing and run off. I saw, you know, they saw me or, or something. But I thought it was weird because the deer were <clears throat> were uh, upwind of me. So, they couldn't smell me. And I really didn't think they saw me. So, I thought it was weird that they jumped up. Well, I made it another 10 yards or so down the edge of this field. And like I said, it's pitch black dark. I mean, I can't see nothing. And I heard something crunching, like almost like a, in between like a crunching and a um, kind of like a grunting noise. And anybody that hunts in south central Georgia, you hear that grunting noise. First thing I think of is all great. And I walked up on a whole damn herd of hogs. So... <clears throat> Anyways, like I said, I could I could somewhat see in that moonlight. I saw the cotton moving around. It was probably 30 yards from me. And I, like I said before, I was only 50, 60 yards from my tree stand. So I said, hell, I don't want to blow up my deer hunt. You know, I'll just ease down the edge of this field. And I made another 10 foot or so. And I guess the pigs were working to the corner that I was headed to of the field. So they're getting closer and closer. I said, it's probably about time for me to, you know, be paying attention before I walk right up on these pigs. And I got, I took one more step and I went and turned my headlamp on. And as soon as that headlamp turned on, there was a sow probably maybe 10 feet from me. And I drew my gun and backed up and shot twice. Bow, bow. And she come out of that cotton after me. And, and I shot her right in the with a 380 shot it right in the chest but i'll tell you right now son i i i was real real happy i had brought, done brought me a spare set of underwear <laughs> because i'll tell you they come out of that cotton like a i thought it sound like a 500 pound grizzly bear but <laughs> i can tell you about it, a pig sounding like a bear oh <laughs> yeah hey, we'll get to I'll that one in a right minute now, i'll tell you right now it scared the ever-loving piss out of me <clears throat> And to the point where, like I said, I was only 50 yards from my standard, so I shot twice. I had no idea if I hit the pig or not or what. The cotton's going everywhere, and I'm losing my mind, you know. I'm in fight-or-flight mode at that point. I back myself up, and I'm ready to go. And uh, I, I have I wear a watch that has, like, my heart rate and all that stuff all the time. I got up in the tree stand, and when I finally got my camera arm, everything set up, all that BS, I sat down and my heart rate was 127. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't BS you either. I swear. I looked down. I said, "Good Lord!" And my resting heart rate's like 68 or whatever, like normal, like 64. So I was like what, sitting there right at that 127. I said, "Good Lord, son! I might have just had me a damn heart attack." <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, your heart's even had a little bit of time to calm down. Yeah. Oh, that's 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> at least. 
because it took me five just to try to get my wits about me to start walking again. <laughs> now, Hunter, froze up. Hunter, while we got you in the phone, I want you to hear Jordan's recent uh, hog attack story. <clears throat> Listen, oh boy, right. as recent as what's today? Wednesday. It was as recent as four Saturday. days ago. Yeah, yeah, last Saturday. Listen, so we're sitting in the climbers, and uh, I can see William. William's eighty yards from me. I text William. I'm like, dude. I think I gotta take a dump. He's like, "Well, get down." I was like, "Well, I'm gonna try and hold it." So I eventually came to the point. Where I was like, "All right, this is not holdable. I have to get down." There was like a five <laughs> minute there. time lapse. Yeah, five minutes from the time. So I, I climbed down yeah. and I walk a good, eh, probably another eighty yards in the opposite direction, William, from my tree stand. I find this little palmetto that's kind of leaned over some. I said, "Perfect. I can lean my gun on it. I can kind of grab it." I'll take me a dookie right here. So I get my britches down. Well, by the time of my knees bend, just scatter blasts on. And uh, about 15 seconds after that, I hear just an immense amount of brush breaking. He was a lot of brush breaking because I heard it. He yeah. broke brush from about 300 yards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said... Shit, that might be a buck coming after a doe. So I get my gun up on this palmetto, and pants, then I see... Pants uh, still down around your ankles. Yeah, pants still around my ankles. And I'm rested up on this palmetto, and I see just nothing but a bunch of black. And I said, shit, that's a, that's a bear. I said, I'm fixing to die with a shitty ass. <laughs> so I say, screw wiping. Rip my britches up, throw my gun over my shoulder, and sprint back to my climber. Oh my God. About the time I get back to my climber, Jim's like, Do you guys see those hogs? And I'm like, You kidding me? Dude, there, there was. I just, I just ran with a muddy ass all the way back to my climber. <laughs> to, say, <laughs> to say Jordan was scared shitless would yeah. be an understatement. <laughs> when- Hey, I tell you, hey, it's all funny in hindsight. Ha ha ha! It's just a pig. Yeah, well, go ahead and let get get in close quarters with one of them SOBs, right? Yeah. I don't want no yeah. That's what I'm saying. I thought I, I was I fixing to get mauled with a dirty butthole. Like I said, I think I'd rather deal with the black bear. I can somewhat at least try to scare it off. The hogs are just like, come on, Willis. Yeah. <clears throat> from our perspective, figure I was probably. If you were 80 yards from Will, we were probably 200 and some yards away. Uh-huh. But all hunting the same right. fire break. And I was about out anyway because just, you know, I was tired, let's just say. And <laughs> <clears throat> you start hearing from way over from my right. I started hearing the crack, 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 crack. And it's just, you figure up something's moving and you're expecting it to end. And it doesn't. And it's building and it's building and it's building. And it's coming right at us. And I'm like, good God, that is that bear, I figured the only thing that could possibly be making that much noise is a bear, is just hammering. And then way off to my left, but un- right underneath where that feller Dylan was hunting, all of a sudden I see something shoot across the fire. Tree. I mean, hauling ass. I was like, what was that? And then I'm like, holy crap, those are pigs. There was 30 of them. And and I and you and you and and I think somebody else asked what was that and I was like pigs and I said pigs being chased by a bear because I couldn't believe that there was anything else out there to make that much noise even pigs 
until I realized that those pigs were running from your shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and the pigs can smell way better than the weekend, them poor bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and I swear to you, there was just like a split second where like it, in my mind I said, am I going to shoot this bear and wipe my butt or am I just going to run to save my life? Hey, and uh, I I'm had a muzzle loader, so I knew I only had one shot. And I was like, I'm going to run to save my life. Oh, and then once Jim said something about pigs, I just stood at my climber and uh, wiped my butt at the bottom of my climber and then <laughs> climbed back up. In your defense, hey, there like was said, fresh bear to, scat. Yeah. Just to have the, the wherewithal to, to at least grab your gun, I'd have been like, man, if this is how I go, it's how I go. <laughs> you know, pants on the ankles. Look. I mean, because... Because I tell you, I, I can always lose a pair of underwear, but good lord, if it loses, if, you know what? If I gotta go, that that might be the way I want to go in the woods, taking a nice woods poop. You know, that might be it. I'll tell you, that son. Might be, that my might first, be my final request. My first thought, and and the reason I grabbed the gun was they they weren't breaking in a mass amount of brush, but it sounded like one single buck was chasing a doe. And I was like, dude, this would be a badass story for the podcast if I shot a buck while I was taking a dump. Hey, and then it him, wasn't a buck, and I, you know. Buck. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. He'd be the, the dookie bruiser or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Hunter, I thank you for joining us, man. We're going to move on to our next one. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. You we'll too. See Later. Those pigs were moving at mock bacon. I was I'm that telling you, got, got just about just from. yeah, just about the way every it seems every outing we have goes for me. We're fixing to start having a segment called Jordan Shitty Moments. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, so Matt said he's ready. Let's give Mister Matt Harbin a call. He's got uh, a fairly interesting story. Let's give Matt a call. I was letting go some wretched rips in the stand. I said, Jordan's dog would eat him. Has Matt heard this story? Hello? We may have to repeat it. Mr. Harbin. How's it going, Will? It's going all right, man. I hear you've got some uh, some scary stories for us. Um, I got one in particular that beats the rest that I've ever experienced in the woods. Let's hear it. All right. So, um, I don't know if you guys know the tale behind Torrey Island and Lake Okeechobee, because I sure didn't when I started hunting it. I did a little bit of research today, but not a lot. So basically, um, Torrey Island all the swamp surroundings back in the day when we had the big flooding in Okeechobee, there was a lot of farmland where people had their family cemeteries in their front yard and it flooded out and the bodies were never retrieved. So all that hunting land is cemetery. So, Basically, what happened with me was we went out there the first year, and we were hunting the dogs, and we were in about thigh-deep water, and we beat the airboat guys out there. So we would know if anyone else was out there, 
and we were sitting there and the dogs were acting weird the dogs were shivering we were in like 60 degree weather the water wasn't too cold the dogs were just acting really really weird and we thought that we could hear people about 30 year or 30 yards off from us and we know that nobody was out there because we already beat the airboats out there. And for anybody else to travel out to us, had to travel about 25 miles. And we sat there and we heard people talking and talking and talking. And we were calling out to people and there was nothing. And we had a successful hunt. And then we came out there the next year, as we did every year. And we started hunting and we heard voices again and dogs acting weird once again dogs didn't want to retrieve dogs didn't want to leave our side um we were having weird boat issues back there and everything and come to find out we were hunting on top of old cemetery land so you might be the only one with an actual ghost story from the woods no i might be but i'll tell you what uh I still hunt to this day, but I have a lot different respect and viewpoint on that land and that area nowadays. You know what's funny? You bring that up. In the last few leases we've actually had in Georgia have had family cemeteries on them. Yeah, and that one, actually, the graves were, like, collapsing and everything. It was... There There were times in the morning where I was a little... Or even at night, I was a little creeped out walking past that. You know, you kind of pep up your step a little now, bit walking now past what the was, cemetery. Now, what was crazy is we didn't know that that one cemetery existed when we hunted in uh, Randolph County. Oh, yeah. Until they clear-cut that property. And then and we they were, didn't cut around it. They, they cut around... They didn't cut in the cemetery. They cut around yeah. it. So we went out to that island of trees, and there's a dang a family cemetery in the middle of... <clears throat> in the middle of the woods. I'm sure there was a house or something nearby there at one time, but... Yeah, interesting. We've got one. Yeah, it's really weird when you go and you uh, go out there, just like you guys were saying, you don't know it's there, and you feel that it's weird and it's weird. And then you come across something such as a family cemetery and all that kind of stuff. It does tie in everything, and it all makes sense. Well, you're talking, you know, cemeteries in in Okeechobee that were there before the 1920s hurricane. Mm-hmm. And they built the dikes and the levee system and all that stuff, <laughs> which flooded all that land. So. Correct. Yeah, we're uh, we're hunting on um, family cemeteries from the late 1800s. Yeah, and uh, it, it it got really weird. Like it was clear as day. You can hear people talking, and you're shining lights. And the biggest thing with me was. The dogs would not work. The dogs refused to work. The dog they refused to pick up birds. They refused to leave your side. They would shake in like sixty, seventy degree weather and they wouldn't do anything. The the dogs just shut down. Also when you get to put the spirits to work, get them bringing your birds back for you. Yeah. Start <laughs> yeah. start break out your crystals or some kind of the Ouija board <laughs> and just spell out no, yeah, the birds. No, no, I ain't sage. even go, yeah. yeah. I don't even go, yeah, there you go. Bring you some Start sage burning sage. sage. I was saying, I ain't even going to mess with no dang Ouija board. I don't <laughs> believe in that stuff, but I ain't touching one either. I agree with you on that one. I got a job right now in Castega, Florida, and I, uh, I, I don't stop for fuel or nothing in there because <laughs> I don't believe in it, but I ain't going to mess with it. I would, I would brave the Hanson boogers for some good duck hunting, though. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Absolutely. Like like Briar said, burn some sage. Well, the duck's gonna smell it. 
<laughs> You're not wrong. Hit them with some holy whiskey. Yeah, I say if they ain't smelled us in a duck blind yet, they yeah. ain't gonna smell some sage. I'll say because I I know there's sometimes I've hit the duck blind that definitely smelled like liquor. So I was gonna say Jordan's come out there smelling like a distillery before. So. <laughs> we all oh, have. Okay, don't blame it on that's Jordan. That's if that old seven thousand makes it to the spot. Hey, she's been making it like a dream lately, son. Don't hate on her. Knock on wood, we need it Friday. <laughs> It, yeah. Now, it was it's been down for I don't know how long before then. So that was just because I don't know how to work on carburetors. Aren't you the one with an unrunning boat right now? Or did you fix it already? Mine's running. Okay. We got to give Matt little little props, man. Yeah. Um, we were out gator hunting two weeks ago, and just don't give away my tip of the week yet. <clears throat> I don't. Okay, maybe. I, <laughs> well, whatever. We had a little mishap, and uh, Briar and I had to. A long float back, but Briar's cousin was was good enough to come get us, and Matt was good enough to loan him a boat. So thanks, for, thanks a lot, Matt, for letting uh, Briar's Matt, cousin Matt Matt Matt. <laughs> thanks for letting Matt borrow your boat and come yeah. get us. <laughs> Saved oh, us about four hours guys. trip. Well, that's what it's all about: is everybody having everybody's back. Um, my biggest thing is I would have came out there and get you. Matt called me and gave me the news, but it was. Uh, one of those situations where, you know, Briar can tell you, Jordan, I've had to call some people before. Uh, I will always lend a handout no matter what the situation is. Yeah, Briar. Especially knowing that the other person will do the same for me. Briar texted me and I'm like, that sucks, bud. I'm on call and I don't have a boat, so. <laughs> I was just trying to get a hold of somebody. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know point... I missed I missed a call from Briar. And then as soon as I saw my phone, I called him back and he's like, oh, Matt's already on his way. I said, well. If Matt doesn't make it, let me know. I'll hook up the boat and be there. Yeah, we didn't have any drama at all. In fact, it was actually a beautiful night for just... It was a nice we little... We talked float. and the stars were awesome. It was pretty good. But there's times where... Do you guys have a picnic and well, we have the most romantic kiss ever, too? <laughs> we never can. I mean, we're, we're opposite of boats, boys. <laughs> shut, shut your traps. Well, luckily... Things, hold on, get to the important part is there are times when if somebody's broke down, the bad can go from worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, weather yeah. and shit like that. So you, you think sometimes when a guy's stranded, oh, fuck, I'm just too busy, I don't feel like going to do it. Just remember, someday it might be you, so yeah. get off the couch and go get him. You know, Matt would have done me it. Quite well, a few times. Other Matt did it and it was awesome. The, That's how I actually met Briar. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, I met Briar because uh, I was getting ready to leave for work one day, and Jordan called me and said, hey, one of my buddies is stuck out at uh, Mosquito Creek. Oh, I forgot and, about that. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. he said, hey, I'm, yeah, I got a buddy that's stuck over here, and he blew out a clutch. Do you think that you can go and get him? And I took off the day of work and hooked up to the boat, and I went and met Briar you know, pulling back to the boat ramp just because it was one of those situations where it was like, I would hate for myself to be in that situation and he needs somebody to come out there and get him. So I would hope that somebody would do the same for me. Well, thank you. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's another one of those situations too, where if I, if I can't make it, I know enough people where I'm going to make enough phone calls and get somebody yeah, out absolutely. there. Absolutely. All right, Matt, I appreciate you joining us. we got to jump on to Mr. Bill Krebs before he goes to bed. Uh-oh. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's getting old. Have, so. a good rest your, have a good rest of your podcast, and I'll yeah. see you guys later. Yeah, yeah we'll man. see you, brother. Bye. Bye. All right, bye. While you're dialing up, Bill, I'll tell you, it's not a hunting story. It's a diving story. And there's a lesson to be learned here. Our training saves your life.
my uh, friend Chris Schwartz, who I don't think we ever talked about him on the podcast. Um, he and I used to do a fair amount of diving together, and we were doing a cave dive, and it was actually in Blue Springs, the one up in Orange City, which is far as cave diving goes is a relatively simple dive you, about 120 feet there's a room with a they call a popcorn boil and we had fortunately run a line from the surface and a lot of guys because it's a simple dive don't and that's the first rule you never break you always have a continuous line on the surface and we had made tie-offs and normally nitrogen narcosis had not ever been a thing but um in my mind, we had gone about 180 degrees around the room. And what I didn't realize is we had actually gone a full close to 360 around the room. But we had, on our 360, were below where we'd started. So you come into the room, do a 360, and I'm below it. And what I didn't realize is that my line placements and ties, because it's a really... So a turbulent situation had actually come undone. So I'm in, we're at 120 feet and all I could see is the rope, the line is going straight up and I'm thinking that the lines had come undone and that we are snagged somehow on the ceiling of this room. And you can't, you're going up there over that, this boil. I don't want to be, it would have been really dicey because the water's hammering out of this thing, you know. But um, fortunately, because all the things going through your head, like, man, I got to go up there and I got to get this untied. And you never leave your buddy. And what I didn't realize is that it was the compounding effects, nitrogenicosis, and a couple other things. And and then, you know, but fortunately we followed our training because he was of the same mind. He was like, how the hell is the line up there? It was kind of, we're both having the same thoughts, but you're can't talk, right? We have limited hand signals, but we're finally like, you know, question mark sign is you spent a finger. And, and you know, we said, we're going to go up. And he's like, we're going up. And he starts running up the line. And I start going up, and I'm, you know, expecting that the line is going to take us up over the boil, and it's going to be all hell and mayhem. And also we realized we were just on our way back out with no problems whatsoever. But when it's, understand you're in pitch black, you got lights. Right. But in a really high flow situation, 120 feet feet down, we were effectively lost because we didn't know where we were. We thought we knew, but we didn't. And uh, that's probably the only time, it's definitely the only time diving where I genuinely thought, I am, we are really in deep shit. Yeah. But again, relying on your training, it pulled you out. But that's another reason, you know, for all anybody that's out there, especially young people listening, thinking, oh, you know, cave diving. Eh. Do not do it unless you're trained because it will kill you. Even the easy ones. They will kill you as soon as you make a mistake. And not a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's a true near death story. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. You will die alone and cold in the dark. By suffocation. That sucks. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. All right, let's call Pappy. I'm sure he's got something to tell on us as well. well I'm as... sure he does too. What's going on? 
All right, let's let's hear some of your scary hunting stories. Uh, well, the first one I wasn't hunting, um, but it was early and it was dark, and all I had was a shovel and a porta potty chair. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of correlates with one of Williams. He didn't tell it. Yeah, pretty, probably pretty close. The uh, that's when the the swamp ape swamp ape come out <laughs> when we didn't have a bathroom at the old camp yet, and so we had to go out and take the porta potty, which was like a handicapped crapper. It is a nursing home toilet with a bucket. We knocked the bucket from underneath. Yeah. Imagine yeah, a walker with a, a toilet seat. You dug a hole with a shovel, and I'm sitting out there about 4 o'clock in the morning. So I dug my hole, got my flashlight in my mouth, and <laughs> doing my thing until the small paper starts going. Now, it sounded it sounded like a daggum woman. It sounded like a woman screaming. Oh, yeah, when the, and the hair on the back of your neck would yeah. stand up. But... Uh, yeah, that was a that was a good one, and then I'm sure a lot of people can relate to uh, right about the time you're climbing down your tree stand, and you you know the truck's over here, and you get down on the ground, and the coyotes fire up, and <laughs> the truck <laughs> or your ranger. That's when you start talking to yourself going back. You're like, well, it was a good hunt today. And, uh... <laughs> That's when you're trying to step on every single stick on the way back. Like, let me make as much noise as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Probably my worst wasn't really scared. Well, it was it was uh, breathtaking. Uh, heart definitely skipped a beat was when I was uh, bow hunting there in uh, Brooksville and and I had some hogs come in I shot and missed I got down to get my arrow I'm looking around and I see what happened the hogs wouldn't come across the fence on our property oh did I say I shot them on the other shot them on the other side of the fence I didn't say that yeah (laughs) but there was a fence there so it was a field fence and, and the pig stopped right there at it and so I got down and I, I got my trusty Leatherman out and I'm clipping the fence, little hole in the fence. It was old, it, no telling how old that fence was, but it was enough to stop the hogs from coming through that crossing. So I cut one little line up and I cut it over and cut and I stood back and I looked to here. I had my mom on my hands and knees. And uh, so I, I I look at the hole and I thought, ah, maybe I'd make it just a little bit bigger. And I went to bend down to cut that fence again. And I looked just to my right and here where I'd been on my hands and knees, probably about 16 inches away, there's a cold up timber rattler been there the whole time. Hey, listen, I can feel your pain while taking your breath away. Because Monday afternoon, I got off work, texted one of my buddies, Kyle, and I said, hey, I got to go scouting. I want somebody to come with me because, you know, safety reasons, I don't want to be alone. He's like, all right, I'll come. So me and William have a tag for a fairly swampy area. And uh, so I run my boat out there. Me and Kyle eventually find a way in. We got to wade through some water and stuff. We get out there. We get a nice open area, kind of look at it. And I'm like, 
Alright, brother, it's getting dark. We gotta head back. Well, I'm an idiot. And uh, I didn't drop a pin on my boat. Nor did I drop pins on my way in to know how I came in. But I knew... And you... The... Huh? And you're out in the swamp? Yep. You know, when you're in the swamp, it don't leave no footprints. I know. So, <laughs> that's why I said I'm an idiot. But I knew I knew the general area of where mm-hmm. my boat was. Out there. The, the trek in was fairly easy. But the trek out... So, I had stepped on, uh, like, a small palm that was laid out thinking i was gonna step on it and you know walk down it well i stepped on it and it collapsed and then i took about two more steps away and kyle said don't move i said why he said you just stepped on a water moccasin <laughs> did you have your snake boots on i yeah luckily i have my snake boots on dude and i was like oh my god i'd already walked away from it but when i when that tree collapsed i landed on top of a water moccasin Hopefully not the snake boots that aren't actually snake boots you were wearing. They are actually snake boots. I looked them up. They're snake boots. Okay. They're viper proof. Okay. So, I was like, goodness. Thank the Lord I have my snake boots on. Because if he would have... I mean, my heart dropped as soon as he's like, you just stepped on a water moccasin. I'm like, oh now, my God. Now, before we let you go, I got to I gotta let you, I gotta get you to tell the story on Al. I never even got to finish telling that story. Oh, Jordan well, interrupted. It's good that- Go ahead. Well, it sounded like you were done with it. No, so I'm I'm down there cutting, and I see this. I see that snake, and I stood back up, heart racing. I ended up killing it, and uh, Wayne was up the hill from, and he said, he, I got through hunting. I come up, and he says, "Man, he says, what happened to you?" He says, "I heard all that racket down there." He said, "You're white as a sheep." I said. You don't even believe, we ain't going to believe this. I said, the good Lord was watching out over me today. (laughs) And then I told him the story. But as in to your story, your Uncle Tim and I were hunting. We were scouting on the river. And, And so Tim went to, uh, I was going to drop him off on one side and go around the other side and pick him up. And just as soon as he got off the boat, he didn't go five yards. And I hear, <laughs> <laughs> he stepped on a log, and there was a big moccasin. He's bigger on with my arm. Laid on the other side. Needless to say, he came back to the boat, and we drove around to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, I've hunted on the river, and it's. I guess I need to see if you and Uncle Tim have ever scouted this area, then. I don't think I've talked to you about it. I'll talk to you about it tomorrow off podcast. Okay. So now, what was you gonna say, Will? What I was gonna say is, I got to get you. You know, there's there's plenty of uh, rattlesnake stories. About I would say about ninety percent of them though involve a dead rattlesnake. Uh, yeah. But when I think of one in particular, I think about Al and the radio. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know we killed that snake. Yeah, we put that. Uh, this is back we, before we even had a TV at the at the camp. Oh yeah, we didn't have a TV, and, and it was it was everything was over the truck radio. So I mean, we didn't have a radio there. We just roll the windows down, turn the radio up in the truck, and have music. And uh, we were all standing around, and probably had a couple cold libations, and and I think we'd even finished eating dinner and uh, listening to music. And uh, we 
we didn't tell Al we killed that rattlesnake and put it right underneath his truck by his driver's side door. So when you open up the door, it stuck out just enough so when the light came on in the truck, it shined down on the ground. He screamed like a little girl when he opened up the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that radio up a little bit. And he goes up, walks over to his truck, grabs his door, opens it up. <laughs> there was <coughs> shit and a few other words said, choice words said. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were all rolling around laughing. But the, the real, the, the reason that we all started wearing snake boots was we were bow hunting. And it was typical Georgia hot bow hunting. And Larry had come walking out of the woods. And just about stepped on one that was ever bit a five foot long stretched across the sand road and it's, none of us had snake boots i can promise you the weekend after that we all had snake boots <laughs> and it was laid right across the road just looked like a big log i was gonna say and he I... just happened to have his just happened to turn his flashlight it was right before the feet got it got to the four wheelers and he turned that flash on if he'd not that thing he'd have stepped right up the thing and nailed it Oh, so I feel like uh, uh, as a kid at some point, I, I remember a story of somebody's boot actually getting struck. I don't remember anybody having any close calls that close. I know somebody um, who has. Yeah. Jim. After oh, Jim's boots got struck. Well, if, 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 started... if somebody would have got, had that close of a call, but there would have been a brown pants with it too. So um, I started I wearing... I started wearing snake boots after I got hit by a rattlesnake because after three long agonizing days, that snake died. (laughs) No, the real story is I was, we were in Georgia and there was a place where I'd consistently busted some coil. So I was just hoping to go back in there and kick them up, hoping to bust them. And it's an area where we've mowed through some palmettos and kind of an intersection that comes, came together at about a 45 degree angle. And I was walking the edge, so right where the palmetto edge in the mode area was. And just as I came around that 45, it all happened really fast, but I I registered that something was moving at my feet. And, But I knew it wasn't a quail. Like, I don't know, because I, I tried to jump sideways. But I'm telling you, by the time the message went from my brain to tell my feet to jump sideways... I got hit, thank God, in the snake boot, and then I jumped. <laughs> you know, like, it was too late, and um, and then all of a sudden, like the, the the reality of what had happened, like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm, I'm a guy. I know I'm in the minority, but I, I don't. I see snakes. I see some rattlesnakes, and I don't kill them because there's not really that many of them. They take, especially the big ones. They take forever to hit sexual maturity. So I just let them roll. Not that one, man. It was it all like, it was like, Oh my God, something's there. Pop. I jump out of the way. Holy crap. That was a big ass rattlesnake that hit me. Shotgun came up. Rattlesnake went down and, you know, Hunter was telling the story about your heart rate going up. Yeah. It was, uh, it was nasty, yeah. man. And then, and then, and I know I was yelling and hooping and hollering. Not that anybody was there to hear me. But man, because you're just uh, all that adrenaline comes all at once, and it, you know it's just terrible. But then I don't know. I did eat the rattlesnake. I keep trying to think of that scene. <laughs> what is 
going to be two movements, a bowel movement, and what's the other one? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be two movements, a bowel movement, and I don't know, but I've had plenty of situations like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I might have had a bowel movement, but I, I it didn't occur to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Skipped right over that part. It was about the time that baseball bat hit your leg. You know, I've heard all kinds of stories from rednecks. Like, oh, big old rattlesnake will break. That, no, they're not. There was a good solid, there was a there was a strike. But, I mean, I've got, I got regular, I mean, they're not that great, but they're uh, rocky snake boots. You're the good heavy snake boots, man. And but you, you know you got hit, but I don't. I don't want to say like I got hit by a baseball bat or anything like that. I mean the snake doesn't have that much mass, but you definitely got. There was an audible sound, a pop, but mostly it was all the movement. And after it hit me, and I jumped back, it did all the theatrical like rolled back and coiled up and reared its head, rattle going, you know. So all that was there. And I mean that probably happened. The snake getting all into its posture and stuff probably happened in less than a second because a second later it was dead. Listen, it rolled back, went <laughs> <up and laughs> bang, <laughs> done for. I know what it is now. It's it's there's going to be two movements: a physical movement and a bowel movement. Yeah. <laughs> all right, old man, we'll let you go to bed. All right. Thank hey, you for. Oh, sh- hey, can I give you? Can I give you my tip of the week? Sure, go ahead. Get out and vote. There Get out. Yeah. Fair enough. It's kind of get out and vote, please. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you later. All right. Good night. All right, Briar. Give us your hunting story. Your scary hunting story. Man, it's, it's, that was. I don't even know if I was 16 at the time. I don't even think I was driving. And we had. My grandfather had the lease on in Casha. And we, me and my cousin was turkey hunting together, and it's kind of it's kind of like a corner, like it was like a hayfield, and it kind of had some scattered trees, and it would seen a lot of turkeys. It was right down from camp too. We'd seen turkeys in there before, and we'd set up in this spot, and we was calling for a little bit, and we'd hunted a little bit, didn't see much, and all of a sudden we, we was walking out, and that's the place that. And we were walking out, and for some reason, we both of us decided to turn around. Like I said, it was like a corner. So you had, like, it was like woods, like hayfield, or it wasn't really, it was like, I don't know, it was open. And then it was like hayfield. And we were like right at the corner. And all of a sudden, both of us decided to turn around and look. And I don't know, we, we might, might have gone 100 yards that we were walking out back to camp. And all of a sudden, we t- both of us turned around and we looked, and a bear walked right in the woods right behind where we were, just where we were sitting. Both of us kind of like just froze, and we were like, did that just happen? Is that bear <laughs> coming after us? <laughs> we were like, man, that was, that was a pretty close call. That was about as close as I want to get. <laughs> I wonder how many times, <clears throat> excuse me, I wonder how many times that, because every now and again you, you bust a bear, and when they leave... That's ah Sasquatch, right? Because they leave in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wonder how many times. You know, they know what they are. They know what you are, and they're watching you to see if you pose a threat. And they don't move, and they just watch you walk on by, and you don't even know they're there. That's a damn good question. When um, 
Dylan and I were walking out from Rock Springs. You know, when you got by that house and you turned a corner, there was a musky scent in the air that I, I thought would smelled more like, um, you know, buck musk. Mm-hmm. But we didn't go very far, and there was a there was a fresh. There was an old bear scat on the way in, and he's like, fresh bear scat. And I was like, no, nah, that was it this morning. He goes, no, that's fresh. I told him, it was brand new. That was in the so, evening? Yeah, but I don't, you know, I never thought about it, like, that I think about it. I've been around bears. I've had bears come right to the, the, the foot of my stand. But I've never, I've never actually picked, not the thing, I've never picked up an odor. When you think about it, you think a bear would be, like, maybe musty. I've, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I've never smell the bear but I wonder if that was what we were smelling if maybe that was a a boar that had just gone through and we were picking up some mm. kind of musk off of him I don't know but he, he don't think he was that far when we went past him see the only time I've had a bear close enough to smell it <clears throat> I didn't smell it probably for the own hockey in my britches because that sucker ran across I was like you were talking about Hunter was talking about walking in without a light <laughs> I was walking in without a light in rock springs and that sucker took off across trail in front of me at about 25 yards and i was out there bow hunting and i said uh i'll wait for daylight went back to the truck and waited and walked <laughs> into pre-dawn because i was walking without a light because i forgot my light yeah uh that, that scared me about half to death of course at that time i was mm, maybe 17 years old yeah but not that it wouldn't scare me now as a grown man but still <laughs> like but th- this bear wasn't in a hurry like it was just meandering through. Yeah. It no, was I'm just, pretty sure I scared that bear more than it scared me. That's why it ran across the trail in front of me <laughs> at the veracity with the uh, velocity that it did. Well, no, this wasn't. This was like he was bear wasn't running. It, it. I mean, it's like he was he was moving with the purpose, like he was going to something. You know what I mean? It was like, man, that's said it's closer than I wanted to get. Had we sat there maybe another ten minutes, it'd have walked right upon us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of them, they're scared. Fun, it's, it's more of a funny story than a scary story. They're at the moment, I thought for sure I was done for. <laughs> I used to... I used to get up early every morning and go down to Dr. Lucky Meisenheimer, Meisenheimer's house down by Universal Studios. And he does a thing where you can come out and swim across his lake. It's 500 meters across and 500 meters back. Sign his house. You do it a whole bunch of his t-shirts. He's got a whole production. It's pretty cool, but... I used to meet people down there every morning, and I think we met at 6.30. So I think I was over a call. We got up at 5. I'd get up at 5.30, put my stuff on, go to the car. Um, so I was carrying out my suit for the day because I used to change <clears throat> and getting ready to hang it in the in the car. But So I opened up the garage door, and it's dark. And I remember the garage door light wasn't working either. So I walk out to my truck, and as I'm getting ready to open the door, I hear the the huff, huh, and I can hear the bear running, and I can hear its nails on my concrete driveway. And I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> no, the, but the bear ran between my garage and me and hauled ass into the woods behind my house. It had been, <laughs> I don't know if it had been over, I, I don't know what it was doing. I think it was messing around with little berries on the, I forget what the damn tree I got in the front of my house is, or maybe it had been over in the cul-de-sac. They used to have merlins on the trees over there. You got well, whatever mag- it was. You got a magnolia tree in your front yard, don't you? Uh, nah. It's, what's that one you got to cut back every year and then just grow? 
Magnolia. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. There are magnolias, but I know it's not a magnolia. Oh, that's crepe a... Myrtle. Crepe, yeah, crepe, crepe Myrtle. Myrtle. I want to yeah. say he was eating a crepe Myrtle bush or something. I don't know, but that's in my mind, I just never saw it. But it did, you know, right between me and the garage, that one almost caused me to shit my britches. But <laughs> yeah. And then Physical when, movement. And then when, it hit the, when it hit the greenway behind my house, you know, that sounded like freight train running through the woods. <laughs> but I still, in that moment, the conscious... When you can hear the bear's claws scraping against the driveway as it's running, and it's coming from my blind side on my right, you just think, I just, That's it. this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, I didn't have enough. I, didn't, I don't even think... I don't even think it really occurred to me, like, because again, all those things happen so fast. Do you really have time to go? This is gonna hurt, or is the bear already gone? And you're like, this is gonna hurt, and you realize it. Enough time to think it, but it takes a whole lot less time to think it than actually say this is going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize, like, yipe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm. Uh, he thinks it, but all the time he has to say is shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not even that, man. It's just it's lightning, you know. But nothing happened. I guess not a lake. I can wrap it up with this one. While we were swimming across Lake Lucky's Lake Swim that I swam across hundreds of times, one morning, we're out there swimming, and you're swimming. We'd start, and this time of year, you're starting in the dark, right? We're a bunch of us going across in the dark. Um, and one morning, man, just down cruising, boom, I hit something. Like, hit something solid. I don't know what it was. Not like sound like a log, but something with some heft that I thought I must have hit another swimmer. I was swimming through, just boom. You know, pull up, like, say I'm sorry. Nothing there. (laughs) No big, like, whoosh. Like, I don't know if it was a turtle. I don't know if it was a gar. I don't know if it was an alligator. I don't know what in the world would let you get close enough to it that you'd make contact because it's like I'm not subtle going through the water, as you can imagine. But man, I hit something. I made contact with something. I had no idea what it was. Mm. I'll never know. You know I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see a pumpkin floating around out there, but I don't know. I, don't know I, so, I, I kind of got one in relation to that somewhat. Uh, so what we call the Plan B hole, which is one of our, our duck hunting holes, and thanks to William, he, he named it that. But I was walking out there one morning, and I had uh, my buddy with me and his son, and it's just, I mean, if you've hunted out there, you know, Briar's been there. Jim, I don't think you've been there. Mm-mm. But I know we'll Briar and William have been year. there, yeah. What's well, already, Jim? Jesus. No, let's go. Uh, but, uh, so you're walking out and there's, it, like, when you first walk in, you're maybe, I don't know, you're probably not even wasty when you Can hit we your get first out good there? hole. Huh? Can we even get out there right now? Oh, probably, Probably yeah. take the boat right now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, it's not bad. It shouldn't be bad. But uh, because it drains, it has a drainage into another lake. Anyway, deeper than normal. So, I get out there and I get maybe fifty yards into it. I got a headlight on. I look down to my left. There's about a six foot gator, probably three feet from me, looking dead at me. And I'm like, "Hmm, one of us is gonna have to make a move here." (laughs) And he turns around, swims off the other direction real quick, and I was like. So what you're saying is right. he made the physical movement, you made the bowel movement. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then uh, and I told my buddy's mom, I was like, yeah, I seen Gator out there. She says, why didn't you shoot it? I said, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. 
And she was like, I don't care if you wake me up or not. If you see another one out. <laughs> She's like, they've been eating my goats. I was like, yes, ma'am. Now we all carry <laughs> pistols when we go out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I got a, sh- uh, a chest rig for my pistol just <laughs> for yeah. that. They're she, goat thieves, man. She's got goats, huh? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, ma'am. Gator got one of your goats this morning. Oh, she'll give you some goat meat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, all right. Do some curry goat. Speaking of the speaking of the swamps, let's let's call Mister. Oh, swamp man himself. Sawyer Haynes. Oh no. Yes, sir. This is our. You warned him this time, right? Yeah, he's been warned. He's okay. close. To, yeah, he's close to a coon ass, but he ain't one. Mississippi, Alabama. Just said both. Yeah, both. Hello. Well, hello. What's you, up? You've answered the most polite of anyone else. Yeah. Hello. Well, yeah, it's because he's been pre-warned. Yeah, everybody got yeah. pre-warned. <laughs> but <clears throat> all right, Sawyer, I hear you've got some uh, uh, some scary hunting stories for us. Let's hear them. Well, I only got one that really pertains to hunting, and that was me sitting in a stand. One, I guess, one of them lean-up stands on a tree. Give like it to it, give it to us. Give it to us in the long form. Start me out that morning. It was an evening hunt. Okay. When he says so, evening, he means he was still living in Mississippi, so he probably went out at about 9.30 at night. <laughs> <laughs> no. And the batteries were going in the light. 8.30. No, it, it, was a, it was a legit evening. I was out there probably 2.30, 3 o'clock, walking out. A.M. And I got up in the sand. <laughs> I'm up there hanging out, looking over, I think it's like a 40-acre field that I was in at the time, and just waiting for something to walk out, and it got probably about an hour before dark, and I hear something down there sound like a squirrel below the stand. I was like, whatever, it is what it is. I didn't even look down. And then the next thing I know, something tells me to look down. And I look down, and there's a little bandit there. Old trash on bandit. The tree. Yep. And the only thing I can think of is I'm not letting him get up here with me because if he bites me, that's not good. Or if me and him get to fighting up here, I'm probably going to fall. <laughs> yeah. So... At that point, my pucker factor kicked in, and I was like, all right, you got to go. So I take my gun, and I didn't shoot it. I just knocked him down. I should have shot him. He was close enough that you were able to shove him down with your gun? Yes. That's how close he was. (laughs) So I shoved him down, and at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to the house. So I just climbed down, and that ruined my whole hunt. And I went to the house. But the scariest things out of all of them, if any of them that could have killed me, would be snake encounters. Because where we lived in Mississippi, we had a creek that ran next to the house. And when the house was built, we found, a like, my grandfather, he had an old dozer when he cleared it all and leveled it all up. I used to go up there as a kid and find old Indian arrowheads everywhere. 
Like he would take a layer off and he would just walk out there and find them everywhere. So I, then as a, during the summers, I would go down to the creek and dig in the sand and whatnot and find them. So I was just venturing one day on the uh, creek bed, just walking around, seeing what I could find. You know, the rainstorms wash a little bit out, and it'll kick stuff up. You know, find cool things. So I was uh, walking, and, you know, in the old creek, the bluffs, they get very tall. And, you you know, you're walking along the edge. Well, something had hissed at me, and I turned and looked. And there was old Mr. Copperhead right there in my face. And I was like, well, this ain't good. So I was like, step back from him. Well, he proceeds to come on down there with me. And next thing I know, he's at my feet. So here I am, running from this dude, looking for something to throw at him to kill him. So the only thing I could find was a, a tree limb that had fallen down like a little branch. And I take it and I whack him a couple of times till he quits moving and you know I've had encounters with rattlesnakes and they don't do all that they most of them go away from me or go into a bush or whatever but that's probably about the scariest two things one would have killed me potentially and the other one just scared the crap out of me now I got I got two caveats off of that now I've heard that I got one too that a water moccasin Water moccasins don't actually chase you, but BS. most of the time, wait, most of the time when you think a water moccasin is, water moccasin is chasing you is because they are trying to get to the water and you're between them and the water. All right, so hold on. Not true. Now, let, me, no, uh, uh, let me finish from not there. Not true. Let me, let me take on to that. Me and Sawyer talked about this today because I called Sawyer on my way home to let him know we were going to call him, and we got to BS him a little bit, and I said, Sawyer, was it you? And it, he, it we agreed. It was Sawyer. That uh, so when I was in high school, I used to have kind of like a landscaping lawn care type business, and I would hire some friends. Well, when I met Sawyer, me and Sawyer would work together every day. I would I left school at like ten o'clock. Sawyer didn't want to go to his classes after that, so Sawyer left with me every day. (laughs) And uh, and you know the the school security guard was cool, so he didn't really give a shit. Um, But we were. In Eustis, on a certain lake, pulling some cattails up. And, you know, we're young, so we're not, like, we ain't out there spraying them or nothing. We're out there in daggum swim trunks. Me pulling. and Briar done the same thing, yeah. and I got him with a cattail, told me it was a snake, and stuck it That's, under the john boat. So, listen, no, we, were, we weren't even in a boat. We were just waiting to pull them up. And uh, Sawyer was out in the water, like, further away, because we'd already gotten all the shore ones pulled up, pulled one up. Dang water moccasin come out of it. Started chasing him out of the water. It The water moccasin was in the water already. Started chasing him around in the water. I threw him a dang metal rake, and he beat the piss out of it with a metal rake. <laughs> yeah. Now, that same lake, me and Briar were wading, but we were using the, the, the boat to throw the, the reeds into to get him back to shore so we could get a good pile up. Yeah. And I took one of those reeds and I kept talking about that water moccasin and I stuck it underneath the boat towards him when he's on the other side of the boat. I'd never <laughs> seen Briar come from chest deep to inside of a twelve foot John boat so fast in my <laughs> life. <laughs> now, I was like a little kid. I mean when I say a little kid, I mean I was like maybe in elementary school. And at the time my grandparents had a house on Lake Ola 
and we was all kids. We was all swimming in the water, and I had to go up to the house or something. So I was getting out of the water, and my mom just starts freaking out. And I turned around, and there was a water moccasin that was chasing me out of the water. Like, we were in the water, getting out of the water. And that's like it was chasing me out. So it ain't just, it's not trying to get to water. And it's scared of you. No, that chased you. All right. So here's my Facts. second caveat off of that. Of all the animals in the woods that are of a punnable size, I think that a raccoon is the one that I would least like to end up in a fight with. Very true. Yeah, because they're feisty. Yeah. yeah. I'll take a possum any day. Uh, yeah, I feel like a raccoon, like you could you could punt a possum or any other animal. A raccoon, I feel like if you tried you to know, punt a <clears throat> raccoon, he would get a hold of your foot. Yeah. Mid-punt and just... Yeah. Just, yeah. You got you to be careful with that classification because I think that there are bobcats that are of that size. I wouldn't mess with those either, but I, I generally yeah. put a... Because a, a raccoon lives at the top end of that, that punnable range. I'm talking... Like possums, armadillos, squirrels, raccoons. You know, I don't even know all... if I'd want to punt a squirrel, to be honest with you. He they're might, pretty fast. Yeah, he might put a whooping on you. They, yeah. They got teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, in a self-defense situation, if I had to use a punt, I feel like the last one I'd want to, I'd just want to run instead of punt would, would probably be a raccoon. You know what else would get you worse than you would think? A daggum moorhen. And then things got armor now, for feathers, too. You want to talk about something that... Because you'd be like, I stoned that sucker, and you get up and pick him out of the water, and this sucker just a clawing. <laughs> they do, man. They scratch up, man. Moorhens have a lot more whoop to them than you think. Yeah. But I'm with Will on a raccoon. I think raccoons are nasty, and they them. hiss at you. Mm-hmm. scary. They you want dogs. to talk about something that everybody thinks is, oh, my goodness, it's so cute. You know? Otters. Oh, oh them things are mean. They're so. mean. They are very mean. An otter will tear you up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's in the punnable size, but I don't think I'd mess with it. Uh, that's an aquatic animal. I don't know that you can punt an aquatic I, animal. That'd be they, you are could they pun- not mammals. They, they are, but they mainly exist in and around the water. Yeah, like yeah, but, if I had to punt in the water, if I'm punting anything in the water, you could run across one. It's going to hell. It's going to be a turtle. Hell in a handbasket. Yeah. All right, because <laughs> I'm trying to kick through water, and I, I just I don't. I, at that point, you know, I surrender. You win. I'm pulling my pistol and shooting whatever it is. I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a legal hunting season on them things too. There, are. there is. Yeah. I, I put one down in. Uh, and you don't have a pelt. That's not a long story. I was going <laughs> to eat this some bitch, but well, you were going to eat it, or did you eat it? No, I wanted to. Um, it's, right here. Things went wrong with the. I was going to get it mounted, and I was going to. I wanted the meat, and the whole thing just went south with the, the taxidermist, and it went bad, and it just. It was a shame, but. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sawyer, I thank you for joining us, man, and uh, we'll talk no, to you. Just, just the thing on the getting bit by one. The the one you don't want to get bit by one is a raccoon. Oh yeah, yeah. babies, man. Yeah, mm, bad. The amount of shots you gotta take after you get bit. <laughs> Not tequila shots either. Like yeah, regular. Uh, I mean, you could probably take those too, but I would suggest getting actual hospital shots as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sawyer. We'll talk to you later. All right. Well, we'll get you back in the studio soon. We'll see. When I was a child, right. my father had a friend, Dwayne Bowker, who had two different dogs, and I forget what breeds they were. Both died to raccoons. One 
they just got in a tussle and the raccoon just zipped it open. Basically yeah. just disemboweled it. Dog, dog, poor dog walked home and intestines dragging behind it. Mm. And the other one was, was raccoon ran out into a pond and they had a boat dock, like just a couple 50 gallon barrels with a wooden platform on it. Raccoon got up on the platform. Dog swam out there. Raccoon got up and as a dog kept trying to get up on the thing, raccoon kept holding its head underwater. At least that's what we assume. We know that we knew that raccoon, so dog was just out there dead. Drown it. Just kept holding its head underwater until the dog got tired and died. I've heard mm. many stories about raccoons yep. being able to drown dogs. Now, that being said, you talk about, I don't think I'd want to fight a beaver either. Sucker's got no. nasty teeth on I just, but, but I, a I, don't think, I, I think you underestimate the size of a beaver. A beaver is well outside of the punable range. I was going to say, beavers yeah. are not a punable range, but they're, I mean. Yeah. Beavers can get up to like 90 pounds and bigger. Yeah. Big old beaver. I've seen a 90 pound beaver, and that is a huge beaver. <laughs> Literally I mean, fighting a chainsaw. Yeah. It was dead when I seen it, but. Pun intended. Yeah. Get your mind Big old beaver. <laughs> yeah. Big old brown beaver. Pinchy but Why don't I got a big brown beaver? Big brown beaver. I I tell you what, stroke it all the time. I lost a uh, I lost a dang uh, rattle trap to a beaver in what? Tennessee. I snagged him, and you didn't get him in. Forty five pound test snapped it like a like just snapped. Son, it clean. you should have finessed him in. Should turn the drag down. Finessed it was him in. it was non intentional that I I snagged the beaver. I was fishing. He popped up in the line of the way of the line, and then he slapped tail and turned hit, and my drag went to crazy and then snapped Dang. non-intentional snagging a beaver that's one of the things we fought for a long time in blakely was was beavers and beaver dams so we had a, a spot there that the creek most of the time was maybe about as wide as this table we're sitting around and then the beavers built the dam and you were standing on top of your four-wheeler to try and drive across it and stay dry yeah built a bridge across there and then the beavers built it up higher and washed the bridge out yeah. Is that where your lease was? Was Blakely? Yeah. At one point, yeah. There's a little diner there. That's right where we're talking about. Like little, there's a, I think Blakely's got a town square courthouse in the middle. If you're coming, oh, in yeah, from the, yeah, yeah. coming in from the south, there's a little diner on the right. We had a... We had that's what a, we're talking about swinging through on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Man, I like Blakely. Yeah. So that's, you know, Colomokie Mounds. We were, we were just outside of the... If you exit the entrance of the Colomokie Mounds right there, um, you look across that agriculture field and the woods behind it were the the, the backs out of the property released hmm. Hmm. that was many 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 moons ago i was probably that was 17 years ago 17 18 years ago at best well probably longer than that since we yeah. hunted in that on that specific lease in blakely probably closer to 20 years ago i just like that area of the country man it's um it's a beautiful area Small towns, I'm sure there's drama there if you live there like any place else. But yeah, um, that's part of the reason why I want to take off when we head up to. We should probably talk about Piney Woods real quick. That we're going to be up there killing some pheasant. Intra- eh, not really hunting, but it's going to be some shooting. Killing, you said it right. Killing, we're killing, killing some pheasants, but for a good cause because they're raising money for a local school. Yeah, we're they're throwing us uh, flying chickens and throwing a good party. You ever ate pheasant? I have it. Oh, yeah, man. It tastes like chicken. 
It is. It literally it is does chicken. taste like a wild. Chicken. I'm going to though. I'm gonna get to bring it home. If yeah. I shoot a rooster, I'm keeping it. They should be throwing nothing but roosters. Yeah. Yeah. I make piccata. If I shoot more than one rooster, I'm keeping it, and I'm dang sure getting a picture of Bell coming back out of that pond with a rooster in his mouth. That's an interesting picture. And it's interesting yeah. in that pheasant shoot because they are the pheasant tower is on the opposite side of the water from you. So they're going to throw pheasants over a pond. Yeah, that's not typical pheasant terrain. No. Now, what you're sitting in is typical pheasant terrain. And the pond is not super wide. It's a very long it's section where you're going to hunt. It's very long and narrow. And at the where the tower is, it's probably 20 or 30 yards wide where they throw pheasant from because I, I mean i've been to the, the place before and i've seen the tower and we talked about it but last year when they were throwing pheasant they had dogs there had to go get pheasants out of the pond hmm. i'm trying to remain open-minded because because i've never done it before it's for a good cause piney woods has been great to us oh, so piney woods has been amazing to us man. yeah better than great so we're going i'm going and i'm hoping that when it's all said and done i'm gonna be like i'll do that again but right now Man, you know, with all of it, again, it's a good cause. But I'm like, it's still dudes on a tower chucking pheasants in the air. You're not running, dog. No. But, like I said, it's easy to poke fun at. But until you've done it, all the criticisms really just void. It's an absolutely great way to get people there to raise money for oh, charity yeah. dough. You yeah. can't, but the thing is, man. <laughs> oh, and we're going to get eat some pheasant. I tell you what, I would I love the their school fundraiser way more than the fundraiser that my kids do. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. You know what? <laughs> Maybe we should build us a tower. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm about watch sick me and tired. 180 real quick. <laughs> I'm about sick and tired of the uh, and, and now you know it used to be when we were kids that we sold chocolate, right? Yeah. Now they just ask for money. Pretty yeah. much. They ask for donations, and then they bring home all these daggum prizes, man, and they're about to drive me nuts. Do you remember the books with all, like, the wrapping paper and junk in it, too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You used to have to sell that stuff. You had to actually sell something. Right. We used to sell M&Ms, man. We'd sell the shit out of them. Most of the... (laughs) Didn't even have to leave the school. People just buy them from you. And then when I was in high school, they sold chicken biscuits from Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Those sold good. Those always sold good. We used to sell... Krispy Kremes too. Those are I think they do big. that. Every they month still month do too. that. Yeah, but now that now there's Krispy Kremes are more common though. Like, it used to be a big deal. Like, oh my God, they're bringing Krispy Kremes. Can bring them for three hundred miles away. Yeah, you know, whole truck would show up. <laughs> but the Krispy Kremes at racetrack are garbage. Yeah, yeah. But still, man, nothing's better than when you pull into that store and the you get that crisp right. Listen. Off the glazed table. We had We had a Krispy Kreme when I lived in Georgia that was 10 minutes from the house. And I would wake Rylan up. He'd wake up on a Saturday morning, and I'd get up with him. I'm like, you want to go get donuts for breakfast? In the yeah. car. Oh, yeah. We'd get in the truck, <laughs> drive down the Krispy Kreme, and sit there. He'd just watch him make donuts. And sit there. He'd eat a couple donuts, drink a big old thing of chocolate milk, and I'd bring a dozen donuts home to Mama while she stayed at the house all the time. I just but don't that that was his favorite breakfast spot. Ten minutes from the house. Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I, I just can't go places. Like, I'm already big enough, man. If I started making a routine of Krispy Kreme. Oh, yeah. I'd you just wait till you. 350. Wait till you end up eating whatever we eat up there in Alabama. That's different. Whatever Zach puts together. It's all the way in Alabama. 
<laughs> he said, those calories don't count. They're outside my area code. <laughs> <laughs> Gas station calories. It just There was no other choice. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing Keith sitting down doing a podcast with Keith again. And Well, that's November 5th. So when the podcast comes out, it's six days. Uh, if you check on our Under Pressure Outdoors Facebook page, you can see... Uh, how to contact good lady. Her name is... Brittany. I'll, I'll give you your phone number Brittany. right now if you want to try and go. Brittany Walker. Let's see. Her name is Brittany Walker. The phone number is 334-441-7916. And the last shoot is November 5th. If they got a hay bale left, it's... Uh, was it 450 a hay bale? 450 for two shooters. Yeah. And if you got a third guy wants to come along and he runs a dog, they'll probably be glad to have him. So, but we we could probably even say something maybe like, and if you're say making the trip for over, from at least two hundred miles out, might even put you on a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But what do you guys got for tip of the week? I'm ready. I'm gonna go oh. first. All right, Briar's never ready. I know, but I'm that's why I'm gonna make him wait. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. My dad always told me this when I was a kid, uh, and if you gather anything from listening to our quote-unquote scary hunting stories, is those animals in the woods are more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we had all these experiences that in the time seemed terrifying, but as soon as you realize what's actually going on, nine times out of ten, you turn around and laugh about it. Yeah. Right, so it's it's not something to think that the woods are a scary place, which they can. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'm a grown man in the dark. Sometimes things make noises, and uh, You've never you know, heard we talked about before? with the coyotes, you know, and they fire up when you get down and you talk and going back to the truck, talking to yourself, narrating your own walk. All right, it happens, <laughs> but don't let it discourage you from getting out in the woods. I got one for you, so I can make Briar wait some more. Uh go ahead. I'm ready, so it don't matter what, where uh, I go. Man, and I, and I know we've talked about it before, but uh, I just haven't been through it this past week. Always, 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 especially when it's hot, watch your feet and watch the other side of a log before you step on it. Snakes. Mm-hmm. Snakes, man. I mean, I had, had I not had snake boots on and had that snake actually struck me when I stepped on it, that could have been a really bad day because we were very far from being able to get back yeah. to any kind of hospital or anything. So, I'll tell you, growing up, it was always, you know, you see a rattlesnake, kill a rattlesnake. Anymore, I've reached a point where, I, unless it does me bad wrong where it strikes me like that, if I see a rattlesnake in the woods, I'm in his house, he's not in mine. But if he's in my house, in my yard, it's a different story. Yeah. So, you know, live and let live. To go because with. they they hold their own spot in the ecosystem as well. This is that live and let die. Yeah, I know okay. the song. Well, poor Briar Joe. Um, well, I was gonna go off of Jordan's real quick. If you have a dog, if you hunt with a dog, carry some Benadryl with you in case that dog gets uh, snake bit. Because they say ben, you give a dog Benadryl and that buy you a little time to get to the vet. Yeah, I don't know if it works for you or not, but. What do you got, Briar? Give me your tip of so, the week. So, my tip is always make sure your boat battery is charged. Mm. You know, even if it cranks up, you might want to, eh, So You got time? Put it on charge. It wasn't the starter then? No, it was the battery. Oh, okay. Dead. Dead, dead. <laughs> Your starter gave, tried like a champ, man. You kept it jumping did. it. 
So here's my question. <clears throat> these are lawnmower engines. Yeah. Why the heck did none of these mud boats have pull starts? I don't know. Well, I mean, you think it's a 35-horse motor, so it might be kind of hard to pull. It, the, the four-wheelers got pull we starts. We had a dang 50 Johnson that we used to pull start all the time. Yeah. It's, I, I don't understand why these mud motors, like, I don't know whether it's an aesthetics thing or whatever, but there's no reason for them not to have a pull start, in my opinion. Like, the battery had enough juice where I could turn the lights on, the clutch would engage, and that was about it. Yeah, but if you had a pull start, you oh, know. Would have been going down the river. Right. We were so close so many times. I think I mentioned that. I think I mentioned that. I'm like, I need to figure out a way to get a pull start back up You could probably just change the cowling on top. I wonder if I can cut that wire out or I can get me a socket and impact and put on that nut. Wow. That's like old... Uh, Albert Moran's electric start for that 25 horse outboard. That's had. right, man. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Probably the first guy running a gravelly mud motor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, power start by DeWalt. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I got two tips of the week. Kind of a a lark and then a serious one. And serious one, I'm going to actually ask you fellas for commitment, maybe. So the lark... Notice I'm drinking the, I don't know, 76 ounce Gonzo Gold. You you are drinking the Pol- staple of garbage in the Ocala National Forest, the Polar Pop. Yeah, yep. good point. But this one's not going to Ocala. Um, I think in the past I've said, you know, hey, if you're running through life and you're going to like, you know, I watch people treat like 7-Eleven clerks like garbage, like their furniture. So I'm always nice to them. In this case, it was Circle K. And it was a bit of a line. And I've had it happen more than once, man. I walk up with just a drink and they're like, Go ahead. I'm like, what? Just sleep. Okay. I don't really know. I guess I'm technically the clerk. I hope the clerk has that discretionary authority. But because I'm in there fairly regularly, and I guess there was a long line, rather than ring me up for their 97 cents, she just like, cut bait. But to me, I was very appreciative of that. Yeah. I'm saying, just, look, I can be a bitch, But man, by and large, I go through life trying to make everybody's life a little bit easier. And um, acknowledge people as human beings. You know, so yeah. that's my, that's really, maybe that is a, it's not a lark tip, it's a serious tip. But then what I was going to use as my serious tip, since we were talking about snake bites and scary stuff and, I don't know, man, falling off. We were talking about guys getting lost this weekend in um, Rock Springs. And I was thinking, one of the best courses I ever took was a wilderness first aid course. Learned a ton. But it's like anything else, man. It's You use it, and then you kind of start to lose it. So it's been a couple of years. But what I was thinking is maybe this spring, after things kind of slow down a little bit, we should do we should either go to a wilderness first aid course, or if we can... I know a couple of instructors, but they usually do it like for scouts and things like that. It's part of their giving back. So we can either go up there, and it's two days. But, dude, I mean, it's you're running through real life drills you're walking up on blind situations they just kind of tell you what's going on and you got to figure it out I mean, when you're done and they they if you're not doing it right they don't tell you you're not doing it right the patient just keeps it getting worse and worse and worse you're like ah. i would i would love to go through that and i've actually reached out to a couple different things i places i found online trying to get somebody on the podcast but i have never got an email back i wonder like i'll bet I'm, if we went and took the course that we'd have them in the very next week or maybe that night Oh yeah, I mean I'm 100 percent down to do it. I could use a good refresher on. I wonder how much. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you, 
coming going to Rock Springs this weekend. One thing when we and William planned it out that we carried was a, a tourniquet. I had a tourniquet. I think you had a tourniquet, and uh, I also had a mass. I think I got it from you. It's vacuum sealed in. It's a, a quick a, clot. A quick clot. Well, I mean, it wasn't a, a quick clot. Compression bandage. Yeah, okay. it was a big Israeli bandage. Yeah, it I was a, a Israeli bandage. So if you got your your tourniquet and then something also to continue to stop the bleeding. So I mean, you never know when a bad situation is going to happen. I'd actually didn't carry my harness, unfortunately, because I forgot it. And uh, the morning that we hunted uh, Sunday morning, I had stood up to go get down out of my climber and I made a misstep and I was like came close to falling out of my climber and I was like I really wish I had my harness right now because that was I was like goodness that would have been really bad thankfully you were already on your way but that could have still been Another really bad thing had that, I fallen out of my climber you know they make um, we have them for our harnesses at work it's called a leg up so if you're hanging and you don't know how long you're going to be there yeah it, it, it's literally two deals where you can put your I'm sure it's not easy to do but you can put your feet in it and push yourself up on them so that all that pressure is not on your uh, like, was it, that already yeah, so you leg? don't suffocate in your own blood yeah, you, yeah it backs much. up into your lungs so if you're going to be hanging like if, if you got somebody on the way to come help you out or whatever yeah or you're not you know maybe and your I, day's a little bit or something you can do that I, so you can that I, might be something good to carry on your harness I said this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when you're hanging a tree stand harness, you can die in a harness. Yeah. It not can. If you do not get out of that, you will die hanging in that harness. Yeah. Um, but you should always hang your tree stand harness high enough that if you fall, you should be able to step back up onto your tree stand. Yeah. So bar the tree stand completely falling from underneath you, and that's why you fall, you should be able to step back to your tree stand and stand back up. Yeah. Oh, another tip of the week. We're talking about climbing stands. Tie your two climbers together. <laughs> the top and the bottom. <laughs> yep. Wow. By the way, that, that lift-up thing you were talking about, when you buy a, like a hunter safety system, mm-hmm. it comes with one, and it tells you that before you actually go up a tree, you should practice your own self-rescue. Yeah. You could watch the DVD that comes with it, and it'll tell you about hey, all look, man, like that. We're men. We don't read the instructions, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> You should, though. You Tip should. of the week, read the instructions. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's important. Are you, well, like anything else, you know, that's why you should let people know where you're hunting. Right. Keep yourself on. And yeah. you want to hear a story about a tourniquet going wrong and not using one right? Listen to the Meat Eater Campfire Stories, the second one. Yeah, that dude did not put two tourniquets on and neither one of them were tight enough. Were they wide enough? They weren't tight enough. I know, but I was also asking. I haven't heard the story. I was wondering because, you know, a tourniquet to be effective has got to be pretty wide. You see people trying to do it with, like, a cord or a piece of rope ain't gonna happen. It's not wide enough to crush you know, or you It's ropes, better than nothing ropes though. Not, ropes not much. Not true. Rope's not yeah. wide enough and your belt you ain't gonna be able to get it tight enough. So you yeah. should probably just spend the thirty bucks on a good I was tourniquet. Just say your from, belt you could if you got a stick in it and got it twisted real good. You can't twist you, leather, hold you it? cannot twist a leather belt tight yeah. enough. No. Trust me. Look, you cannot twist it, a leather in order belt tight enough. Yeah. To put a tourniquet on, it's gonna hurt. Go on Amazon and buy a tourniquet. Yeah, you should story. be about five turns past a lot of cuss words. Yeah, like you literally put a tourniquet on when it stops bleeding, then you're tight enough. Then you go one more turn just in case. Yeah, do. And from I've never had them before. Understand that that it, it's so painful it actually stops hurting because you go past it. 
because yeah. you, you crush off all the blood, you crush the blood vessels. So these days, this, the vascular surgeons are so good, they can bring them back. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never had one. I don't want to do it. I've never and, put a tourniquet on anybody. And speaking of uh, the wilderness, survival, I wonder how much, like, RCLS class would have it's would transfer a over. lot of the same. Combat yeah. medicine is a lot of the same, what you're seeing in wilderness survival yeah. with a little more improv, uh, improvisation. Yeah. But, all right, well, I hope this has been terrifying and death-defying and all that other great stuff since it is Halloween today. You guys have a happy Halloween, and uh, we'll catch you next next week. Decent hunting. We're out of here. Yeah, yeah.